The Truth News Network. Part of the climate agenda, along racial lines no less, is the claim that we're running out of fresh water. You do know it literally falls from the sky, right? Or is that too much truth for the baiters? Well, you're in the home of the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your host is Dan Newman. Isn't it interesting to see just how many different areas in which we can find facts every day here at TNN Live? I mean, we can't even count the ways that we're looking for real confirmation about things we've been told. All oh, these are absolutely true. And then we start digging. And usually we find one or two things while we're digging that they've told us is one thing. And that's not even the reason or reasons why we're digging, only to find out the things they told us that we weren't looking for. We just assumed they were real or false as well. They, of course, being the hard left in every part of our government, our private sector, that whole group has joined together in single purpose. And that purpose is to make sure in perpetuity that that group, I don't even think they have a name, maybe the big left, the hard left, whatever you want to call them, it's not Democrats, it's not the Democratic Party, it's not, certainly not conservatives or the Republicans. It's a combination of a bunch of hard leftists that believe more government, bigger government, more powerful government is the answer for everything. And of course, they know it. They understand it. You and I don't know it. We can't understand it, even if we knew about it. So what we must do is just cede our votes and our support and our money to them and just let them do everything. They know better than we do. After all, right, if you don't think so, just ask them. Well, good morning, everybody. Somebody may be in our listening audience, but somebody even if it's not in our audience, is very happy this morning. A Mega Millions ticket sold in Florida claimed matched all six numbers for the game's largest ever jackpot following last night's drawing. Pretty sure that winning ticket was sold at a Publix, P-U-B-L-I-X. That's a large grocery chain in Florida and a couple of other states in the southeast. And pretty sure it was in Jacksonville. Anyway, somebody is going to be in for a big paycheck. Lucky Winners got an option of getting the massive $1.58 billion jackpot. You can take it in installments or choose a lump sum payment. And that's going to be lump sum $783.3 million. $783.3 million. The winning numbers, 13, 19. 20, 32, and 33. The Mega Ball was number 14. They're not the only ones that were big winners. There were seven winners for the game's second-tier prize of a paltry $1 million. And two of those players bought the Mega Plier, which is a multiplication. If you pay an extra buck for your ticket, you'll get, if you hit the Mega Plier for that particular night, your winnings would double. In this case, those two people got $2 million. 
The $5 million tickets sold in California, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Texas, while the two Megaplier tickets were sold in Florida and North Carolina. The grand prize, it edged the game's previous jackpot record of $1.537 billion, and that was won in 2018 in South Carolina. Now, if you're thinking of that big, big billion-plus prize that happened out in California a couple of months ago, that's that's not Mega Million. That's the Powerball ticket. The last time a massive Mega Millions jackpot was claimed was just back in April, April 14th. And that ticket was sold in New York, grand prize of $483 million or $256.9 million lump sum. Now, before we move on, I just wanted to point a, a, a thing or two out to you. Surely that person is one of the blessed and most fortunate economic winners of all time. That's a lot of money. But I wonder why they tell us all along that was a $1.58 billion jackpot. It really wasn't. That person will only get $783.3 million if they take lump sum payment. In other words, more than half of it. Where does the more than half go? I think you know the answer to that. On a percentage scale, think about this. On a percentage scale, Powerball and Mega Million winners pay the highest taxes of anybody on the planet. That's where that money goes. Federal government and state government. Now, does that mean I'm telling you don't buy a ticket? No, I'm not saying that at all. But don't let anybody make you think or try to make you think that there are no taxes. There's nothing in this for anybody but the Powerball or the Mega Playa winner, Mega Ball winner. It's not true. That's almost just like gambling at a casino. All the states around the nation that have legalized gambling, think about who those people are that spend all of their hard-earned money playing slot machines, playing card games, blackjack, all of those games in there. Most of them lose. But Dan, how could somebody... (laughs) That one last night, $1.58 billion, how could they be considered a loser? No, they're not a loser. They're a big winner because there's a massive return on that $2 investment, don't you think? Even though they're going to pay more than half, right at half of $1.58 billion in taxes before they get the rest. Just pointing that out. A lot of other things we need to point out. Big breaking news just minutes ago. More angst ahead for the Biden family. Oh, my gosh. And it is incredible. Poor Joe. It seems like every day the hole he dug just gets deeper. I mean, really deep. We have much more to weigh in on. Sit tight. Enjoy this song. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes at TNN Live.
We're at hump day. We're halfway to the weekend, a big weekend ahead. I don't know what it will contain, but I know it's going to be a good weekend. We have some unbelievable things to tell you. And I say unbelievable, none of us should not believe or be, none of us should be surprised when we hear there's some big news item out there that doesn't look good for President Joe Biden. The House Republicans this morning released bank records, Hunter Biden bank records, payments from Russia, Kazakh oligarchs, and it totally clears $20 million. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, representative from Kentucky, he released a third memo about the Biden family's foreign business dealings, just released it minutes ago producing bank records that show that Hunter and his business associates got millions in payments from Kazakhstan oligarchs, from Russian oligarchs, and all that happened when his daddy was vice president. This morning's memo is 19 pages. It provides screenshots of redacted bank records. It says millions in payments came from Ukrainian energy company Burisma Holdings, as well as Russian oligarch Yelena Baturina and Kazakhstani oligarch Kness Rakashev, and that then-Vice President Biden attend dinner with Baturina, Rakashev, and a representative from Burisma. Now, wait a minute. That can't possibly be true. Joe has made it abundantly clear to all of us he didn't get involved in any of that stuff with any of the any of these people. He never met people and discussed business deals. No. He met people and put out the goods about if you're going to sell my name and my influence as vice president, you got to pony up. Then Vice President Biden met in person for significant periods of time with those individuals or their representatives. This is from the memo. Biden joined approximately 20 phone calls on speakerphone with Hunter's foreign business associates, attended dinners with foreign oligarchs who paid huge sums of money to Hunter. Joe Biden, the brand, the brand, he'll never live that down. That was the only product the Bidens had to sell. The third bank records memorandum follows two previous memos tying Biden family members individually to payments linked to entities in China and Romania. The committee says the foreign payments to the Biden family now total over $20 million. During Biden's vice presidency, Hunter sold him as the brand for one reason only, to reap millions from those oligarchs, Comer said in a press release. The third bank memo, the result of subpoenas of several banks not belonging to members of the Biden family, specifically discusses three of the many firms founded by Hunter, Rosemont Seneca Partners, Rosemont Seneca Thornton, and Rosemont Seneca Bohai. The committee provided screenshots of bank records they say demonstrate the Baturina, who, by the way, is the widow of the former mayor of Moscow, wired $3.5 million to Rosemont Seneca Thornton, Valentine's Day 2014. Wait a minute, Joe Biden wasn't in office then. Well, he was. He was vice president. 
in case you forgot, he didn't get elected president until the fall of 2020. Then, a total of $2.752 million was transferred to Rosemont Seneca Bohai, which Hunter co-owned with Devin Archer, according to Archer's statements in Congress last week. The memo said Biden attended a dinner in the spring of 2014 with the Moscow mayor's wife, Bacharina, with Hunter and others at Cafe Milano in Washington, D.C. That must be, that Cafe Milano must be the place in Washington, D.C. Because these guys, they dined at Cafe Milano a bunch of times. When Archer was in front of Congress last week, he said former Kazakhstan Prime Minister Karim Masimov and Kazakh oligarch Kness Rakashev and possibly Lushkov were also in attendance. Isn't it interesting the way the Republicans put out this memo and how they word it? Do you think if it was a Democrat and this was Donald Trump that had been doing all of the evil money collections that they would say, and possibly Lushkov were also in attendance. Oh, no. They would say definitively Lushkov was there, there to see Donald Trump. Earlier this year, Masimov was sentenced to 18 years behind bars for his reported role in an attempted coup. Great business associate, Hunter. Fox reported Previously, a year after the first dinner, Biden attended a second dinner, April 16, 2015. That dinner included Bacharino, Lushkov, Hunter, Archer, Vadim Porshashki, an executive at Ukrainian oil and gas company Burisma Holdings, all of them on the guest list at Cafe Milano. The memo released this morning says the records provided show that on April 22, 2014, Rakashev, whose father-in-law was the mayor of the capital city of Astana at the time, used his Singaporean entity, Novatus Holdings, to wire $142,300 to the same Rosemont Seneca Bohai bank account. And the very next day, the exact same amount was wired out to a car dealership in New Jersey. What was that all about? To pay for a Fisker, F-I-S-K-E-R, sports car for Hunter. Now listen, I've got one son. That's all Joe's got now. Bo, his older son, sadly died of cancer years ago. But if my son, if my son, and my my son has a very good job and makes a very good income, but if he just tooled up in a $143,000 sports car, the first thing I would ask him, son, where'd you get the money to buy this car? You don't think Joe asked Hunter about that? Probably not. You know why? And I'm surmising because Joe already knew the money was coming. Hmm. The memo also showed that payments from Burisma for both Hunter and Archer were also wired to Rosemont Seneca Bohai. According to bank records, these bank records, Hunter and Archer each got, we've been through this before, $83,333.33 a month. That's $1 million a year, each of them. 
It looks like no real services were provided other than access to the Biden network, including Joe Biden himself. And Hunter Biden seems to have delivered. This is Comer speaking this morning. This is made clear by meals at Cafe Milano, where then Vice President Joe Biden had dinner with oligarchs from around the world who had already sent money to his son. Quid pro quo. That's where the president got the nickname quid pro quo Joe. Comer said committee's not done. They're going to continue to look for witness testimony to determine whether Biden knowingly allowed his son to sell his brand, Joe's brand, abroad. And I probably don't need to say this, but I will anyway. This, this is this is the news line that's always used when something brand new breaks. This is an ongoing investigation. We'll keep you posted. So will you tolerate me for a second and let me pontificate? It's clear. It became very clear more than a week ago when Devin Archer testified last week in front of the House Oversight Committee. It's clear that Joe Biden's original story simply doesn't survive the facts. In fact, Archer's testimony, combined with the collapse of the Hunter plea deal in federal court, it's virtually guaranteed there will be an expanded impeachment inquiry. It's important to distinguish between an impeachment inquiry and an actual motion of impeachment. The act of launching the inquiry, it allows the House to ask wider-ranging questions, expands the range of their investigation powers, And they can bring that power to bear, but not unless and until they formally call that investigation an impeachment inquiry. It may or may not lead to an actual impeachment. Consider how much Archer's testimony has blown holes in President Biden's defense that he had nothing to do with Hunter Biden's business deals. And even more so, he knew, he said, I know nothing, Sergeant Schultz. You remember that guy, that television series? I know nothing. Joe says it again and again. I know nothing about any of it. Archer was a close business partner of Hunter. There are several pictures of him together with Joe Biden. There's also a generous letter from then-Vice President Joe Biden about how happy he was that Archer and Hunter were working together and each getting $83,333.33 a month, (laughs) a million a year. I wonder if they pay tax on all that. Just, just, Just asking. As Archer testified about the details of that working relationship, he proved decisively that candidate and later President Biden has consistently lied to the American people. Miranda Devine of the New York Post, she said this, no matter how desperately Democrats and their media handmaidens try to spin Archer's testimony, he has changed the game. It's clear that the Ukrainian natural gas company Burisma was paying Archer and Hunter both 83 grand a month for access to Joe. Ukrainian Prosecutor General Viktor Shokin was investigating corruption involving Burisma. Do you think he might have, Shokin, might have 
been investigating as part of that look-see into Burisma, you don't think that there was possibly the Biden name mentioned in his investigation, do you? You remember Joe bragging about what he blackmailed the previous Ukrainian president? Joe was supposed to provide a billion-dollar loan guarantee for the nation of Ukraine. Joe bragged about it. He went over to see the guy, and he sat in his office and said, why haven't you fired that Ukrainian prosecutor that is just lambasting my son's company over here? And I'm sure that president gave him a solution. I don't interfere with investigations, Mr. Vice President, yada, yada, yada. And then Joe said, hey, you know that billion-dollar loan guarantee I'm supposed to give to you? Unless you fire that guy before I leave Ukraine this afternoon, you're not getting the money. Joe bragged that when the president of Ukraine told Joe, you can't do that, you're not the president. Barack Obama's the president of the United States. And Joe bragged and said, I told him, call him. Everybody laughed in the room when Joe said that. And then, of course, Joe is only Joe can. He said, what do you know? Son of a bee. He fired the prosecutor. Does that sound like blackmail? Does that sound like squeezing an opponent or a foe to get money out of them? Doesn't that sound like bribery? I think in federal court, that's exactly what it would be. By Joe, in his own speech to that Foreign Relations Council, he flew to Ukraine. He threatened the government of Ukraine. He was going to withhold a billion dollars in USA unless Shokin was fired. Archer testified that Biden's activities and influence spread way beyond Ukraine. He asserted that Hunter called his father at least 20 times, trying to impress other foreign business people from other countries. On several occasions, Hunter put his dad on the speakerphone so everybody present could see that he offered real access to the second most powerful person in the U.S. government. As Ari Fleischer said, former Bush secretary, if I was pitching clients right now and I said, hey, before we get going to this meeting, I've got George Bush on the line. He just wants us to talk to you about the weather. Hey, Mr. President, it's great to have you here. Everybody in that room would go, oh, he can get the president on the line? Isn't that something? Everybody knows what that would be. The difference is no politician I've ever worked for would have gotten on that telephone. It would have been unethical. It was corrupt. Joe Biden got on that phone line more than 20 times. R.A. Fleischer said, that is corruption. But it was more than phone calls. Biden had dinner with Hunter's foreign business associates at least twice. He had dinner in Paris with the French energy company and in China with a Chinese investment firm. And of course, he took Hunter with him on Air Force Two. You and I paid for that very, very prosperous trip personally for Hunter Biden. As Comer said on Just the News, no noise, it's just unbelievable. When an American history has a vice president 
ever taken an active role and demanded that a prosecutor be fired in a foreign country for simply investigating a business, a business that was domiciled in that foreign country. Never. The evidence continues to mount that the real quid pro quo pertaining to Ukraine and Burisma was Joe Biden. That's why we're investigating Joe Biden. We know his family has sold access to him for years. The problem is we could have a president that's compromised. So what is the process from here out? Well, given all this information, it's no wonder Kevin McCarthy, House Speaker, indicated this investigation could turn into an impeachment inquiry and quickly. As the Biden family corruption gets clearer and the defense becomes more absurd, the Archer testimony will be seen as one of the major breaking points where reality and facts together began to undermine a crumbling defense of dishonesty and dissimulation. Looking over the last seven, eight, nine, ten days, this has been an important time for American politics, America, and history. I doubt very seriously if Joe Biden is sleeping well right now. All throughout human history, there have been people, not just men, men and women who have decided, made a a purposeful decision to break rules, break laws, and to lie over and over again about their actions. Am I calling the president a liar? I don't have to. He evidences it himself. And you know what? I'm going to wait till the other side of this. I got something else, Joe Biden, White House, Hunter Biden, that popped up overnight. What's the biggest number you can think of? A trillion, billion, zillion. That's pretty big. How about you? Ten. Okay. How about you? Infinity. Can you top that? Infinity and one. Actually, we are looking for infinity plus infinity. Sorry. What about infinity times infinity? (laughs) It's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T has the nation's largest 4G network. You need brake pads? We have brake pads. Like dependable brake pads, quieter brake pads, longer life brake pads, and performance brake pads. At AutoZone, we have all the brake pads you need so you can get the job done right. Get in the zone, AutoZone. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? I'm not looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I, just, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Who's us? Supermodels. What are you, model gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love and takes only seconds to make. Starbucks Via Instant, the only instant coffee of its kind. Available in black flavored lattes and iced coffee. 
Fake news, spin, anger, violence. How do you sort through the chaos? You tune in to TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. You know, we have a lot of people that listen live to the show than a lot of other people. In fact, more people that will go download the podcast. It goes live on uh, networks like Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon, about 37 different sites. And I want to say thank you for everybody. But most people that listen in are friends in some capacity. Maybe you just identify with what you hear every day at TNN Live or stories that you read at truthnewsnet.org. And I want to say thank you for that. And every once in a while, I'm prone to share a thing or two about you that's private, but because, you know, we're a family, (laughs) I think sometimes family members want to hear about things that are a little odd or crazy about somebody else in the family. If you know me, you know I'm bald, and I have been for many, many years. I've got a full beard. Used to be brown. Now it's gray, 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 gray with a little brown <laughs> in, under my chin. And um, I wear earphones. I have horrible hearing. And it comes from years and years in which I was a, an announcer on radio stations. In fact, my first career was in radio. And you wear headphones all the time. And you have to, you don't have to, I guess, but I'm a music guy. I'm a musician too, so I turn the volume up too much, too high. And so my hearing is pretty raunchy. (laughs) So I have to wear headphones, and I'm very picky about the headphones that I use. I want them to be exactly sound to me in my ears, exactly the way that you hear it out there. I mean, we're talking to people all around the world, and we want it to be good. You understand that. So in the mix of all of that, every once in a while, because I wear headphones every day, and it's not just during the show. For every hour of TNN Live you hear, there's at least one hour of prep already been done on the show. And prep means in the studio, listening to audio sound bites, converting video into audio sound bites for the audience. So I've got headphones on a bunch. And at some point several months ago, I opened up on the very top back of my left ear where obviously a headphone would rest. It scraped an opening there. And because of the location of it, it popped open about two or three months ago, and I didn't know about it until blood just started gushing down my left shoulder. So Marianne panicked. She, thank God, was at the studio at the time, and she got it stopped. I thought I was going to have to go get it sewed up. So this morning, Marianne walked in. She was making up the bed, and she had my pillow, and she said, what's this? And there were there, were, there was blood spots, you know, dried blood spots, where obviously I've laid my head, and we didn't even think about my ear. So she left. She had, had to be somewhere at a few minutes after 8 o'clock Central. So she left, and I, I went into the studio getting ready for the show, put my headphones on, and a couple of minutes later, 
I looked down and I had blood gushing down the left side on my chest, blood coming from obviously the ear. It had busted open again. And this time, I, I wish I had a, a camera on that I could show you. I've got two washcloths here laying on the console. They they started out beige. <laughs> they are bright, bright red. There's no beige left showing on it. And less than three minutes before we went live, I honestly thought I was going to have to sign on the show and tell you I was going to have to leave because I had a medical emergency and go get it sewed up. But thank God I got it stopped. Now, I told you all that to tell you this. You know, you're not the only one that has occasional bad stuff happen to you. (laughs) So I'm doing what you do most of the time. Instead of going, oh, me, this is going to be horrible and worrying about it and trying to figure something out on your own, I just went with it. I just flowed with it. (laughs) And so there, sometimes when bad things happen, if you'll just stick in there, you're going to be fine. And I'm going to be fine. I will say this. I'm not wearing headphones right now. I went and dug up a, uh, a pair of those Apple iPod hearing. You, you can't even call them headphones. They're earphones. They stick in your ear. But they don't touch the back of the top of your ear. And I can't afford to do that and bust this thing open again. <laughs> But I'm not hearing you as good as normal, but we're going to have to work on that after the show today. Well, let's get right back to it. I've got so many things to talk to you about. News out yesterday, brand new news. The FBI lied about their extensive meetings with Zuckerberg's platform about Hunter Biden and the laptop from hell. I mean, this is extensive meetings. The FBI lied about the extent of its communications with Facebook about the Hunter laptop story back in 2020. This, again, was just disclosed by that other committee, the Weaponization Committee that Jim Jordan of Ohio is chairing. And he said that the FBI's claim it only met with Facebook once about Biden's laptop from hell are completely false. So this is the latest installment in Jim Jordan's Facebook files, a series of internal communications from Facebook's platform obtained through a subpoena by the House Judiciary Committee, which Jordan, by the way, is the chairman. In a sworn definition in the Missouri v. Biden case, FBI Special Agent Elvis Chan, who's the main conduit between the FBI and big tech companies, all of them, Chan claimed that apart from one instance, he was not aware of any meetings between Facebook and the FBI regarding the Hunter laptop story. In that same deposition, he claimed that he had no internal knowledge of the FBI's investigation regarding the laptop. Well, the Facebook files reveal both of Chan's claims to be false. How'd they find us out? An internal Facebook communication reveals that Chan had more than one meeting with Facebook about the laptop story. How about that? It also reveals that contrary to Chan's claims of having no knowledge about the investigation, 
Chan confidently told the tech platform a day after the story broke and had been censored by Facebook that there was no evidence of any foreign connection. There was no current evidence to suggest any foreign connection about the leaks. Wasn't true. When Facebook initially asked the FBI if the Hunter laptop story was real, Laura Dimlow, currently section chief of the Foreign Influence Task Force at the FBI, said, quote, no comment. At that point, the FBI was fully aware that the laptop was real. Evidence, cold, hard evidence proves it. The laptop was real, and the FBI did know about it, said Jordan on on Twitter, as a matter of fact, the platform that Elon Musk bought. The FBI had the laptop since December of 2019. Is there any wonder why the Biden Department of Justice has so far stonewalled the committee's efforts to interview Agent Chan? You know what they're not paying any attention to, obviously, any of these people. From Christopher Wray down in the FBI, also, besides Christopher Wray, our Attorney General, Merrick Garland. Is there any wonder why they're being a little shut mouth more so than normal? They're in trouble. And everything, every resource in Washington, D.C., and every agency is totally all in on this. And they're doing anything and everything they can to turn the people of the nation's attentions elsewhere because they've been busted. There's that old Bible thing again. Be sure your sins will find you out. Be sure your sins will find you out. Clay Travis yesterday. You know who Clay is? What's his? He's got a whole podcast network. Outkick. It, it's a one-word thing. Anyway, he's a regular contributor on Fox News. And yesterday, he came out and he made a very bold prediction. A prediction about the 2024 presidential election. And oh, by the way... Clay's prediction doesn't include Joe Biden as the Democrat Party nominee. I wonder why. The media now confronting the age-old question about President Biden. In an interview with CNN from the weekend, the president is asked if it is time for him to step aside, allow the next generation of Democrats to get their shot. Well, considering the Democratic frontrunner would be in his mid-80s during his second term, here is the question and answer on this. Many of these people do say, and these are ardent supporters of yours, the next thing he should do is step aside. Why are they wrong? Not right or wrong. I think the world is changing, and I think I, uh, there is one thing that comes with age if you've been honest about it your whole life, and that is some wisdom. It's going to be his answer now. We've heard it before. Clay Travis here to share some wisdom of his own. And Clay, good morning. Good morning. To you. There is no doubt that some Democrats want him to hand the reins over tonight. Um, I'm not so sure he's going to do that. 
But sometimes when you get an interview like this and you pop the balloon on that question, does it change things or not? Yeah, I think it does, Bill and Dana. Good morning to you all as well. Appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, I, I think you, there are several things that are all coming together here that I believe, guys, is evidence of why Joe Biden's not going to be the nominee in 2024. I think he's going to step down. Let me give you a couple of these threads. Uh, over the weekend, I'm sure you guys saw the New York Times, Maureen Dowd absolutely savaged Joe Biden over his failure to acknowledge the seventh grandchild that he has. Uh, in uh, Arkansas. In fact, his insistence to tell everyone in the White House to refer to him only having to six grandchildren, which is a lie. The Atlantic, a uh, liberal left icon publication, had a piece arguing that Joe Biden needs to step down. As you mentioned, the CNN interview, again, even with lots of prep, Biden doesn't appear to be up to the job. Guys, even the pictures that came out and the video of Biden kind of dragging around a chair on the beach over the weekend. He looked frail. He looked incompetent. He looked not capable of doing the job. We'll see how this trip to Europe goes. Uh, but also, as you began this, uh, this segment, all of the continuing evidence that surrounds this situation as it pertains uh, to the investigations coming out of the House, all of that is adding up. I don't think there's any doubt at all that the, uh, that the amount of negative attention is growing. And as you mentioned, Bill, he's going to be in his mid-80s if he were to win. I think they want to have an open primary season. They don't want Kamala to be uh, the default nominee. Uh, and if they're going to do that, I think Biden needs to announce LBJ style in the next two months that he's not going to be running anymore. Let me just go through. You, you, you read our minds, which we love. There, here's the headline <laughs> and the subtitle from the Atlantic piece. This is Elliot Cohen writing, Step aside, Joe Biden. The president has no business running for office at age 80. Then let's go to the New York Times. You mentioned Maureen Dowd. What's interesting about her piece is that it's not just her opinion. She was referring to her sister who had written a letter to Joe yes. Biden. Her sister has supported Joe Biden for many, many years, but she is dismayed at the president not recognizing the grandchilds. And the end of the piece says this. The president can't defend Hunter and all his other messes and draw the line and accepting one little girl. The president's cold shoulder and heart is counter to every message he has sent for decades. And it's out of sync with the America he wants to continue to lead. Which leads me to just one more thing, Clay, which is AOC endorsed Biden on the Pod Save America podcast, but it does not sound like her heart is in it. Listen here. President's only primary opponents are Marianne Williamson, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Will you be supporting Joe Biden for re-election? Uh, I believe given that field, yes. I think he's done quite well, uh, given the limitations that we have. Um, I do think that there are ebbs and flows, uh, as there are in any, pres uh, in any presidency. And Clay, this is amongst Democrats. Yeah, I, I think, look. They don't want the, the biggest protection right now, guys. And this is crazy. The biggest protection to Joe Biden right now is that Kamala Harris is even less popular than Joe Biden is, because I believe and I don't know if you guys agree that when Joe Biden was elected in 2020, I think the expectation was, hey, I'm going to restore normalcy to the White House, which he hasn't done. But I'm going to step down and pass the baton to the next generation of leaders to Kamala Harris. She will be the heir apparent going forward. But she has failed. She is even worse than he is. And as a result, they don't want Biden to step down. And by step down, I don't mean leave office. I mean announce that he's not going to run again, uh, stepping down from the race. 
they don't want Kamala to be the default nominee. They want to have a primary season. And if that is going to occur, then Biden needs to step down as a candidate in 2024 sometime this fall. And I just don't see any way that physically he's going to be up to this running uh, campaign. Remember, he didn't have to run really in 2020. They hit him in the basement. I don't think they're going to be able to do that anymore. I think deep down Democrats know it. They don't want him to run. They want a competition, which is why I think sometime in the early fall, Biden will announce, Dana, just like back in 1968, we saw with Lyndon Johnson mm -hmm. that he's not going to run. I didn't even mention, by the way, the strength of counter candidates. Look, RFK Jr. has got a decent amount of support and he's not even being acknowledged by Biden. They're not even letting him uh, get out there and do any of the debates. Same thing with Marianne Williamson. At some point, I think Gavin Newsom is going to step into this fray. And I think ultimately Gavin Newsom is going to be the nominee for Democrats in 2024. OK. All right, man. You're on record. Early fall. Maybe you're right. <laughs> but so far he has resisted and he has said that wisdom is the key so to managing true. all these issues. Clay, nice to see you. Have a great week. Clay Travis. Clay Travis. Outkick. That's the name of his combination news and sports operation. He's got a network of some much younger podcasters that work with him there. But uh, he said what a whole lot of other people have been saying for some time. I think we're at the point now where we're past where we would be saying President Biden should not run again. We're at the point now, as are a bunch of Democrats, he's got to not run again. Let me give you an example. He's out on the campaign trail, has been, what little bit of campaigning he's doing for the presidency. And he's saying he's talking about Bidenomics. Bidenomics, bragging about it. Well, the country, even though he's out talking to them and trying to play it up, the country is not embracing Bidenomics. In fact, most Americans are disgusted by what Americans are calling a socialist economic policies. That's what he's calling. Everybody's calling in this administration. A new CNN poll of all places shows that just 37% of Americans give Joe Biden a positive approval rating for his handling of the economy. When you throw inflation into the mix, his approval rating slips to just 30%. Democrats don't know what to do about why Americans are unhappy about the economy. They claim the economy is stabilized and the inflation rate has been significantly lowered since last year. That's not true. Inflation was up 16%. When they talk about the inflation rate being significantly lowered, it's not even close to where it was. It's still way above where it was when Donald Trump was president. Incredibly, some Democrats believe Americans are not aware of the true successes of the Biden administration. There are some? <laughs> I don't know of any. Others claim that Biden does not boast enough of his accomplishments. That's baloney. There are no significant economic accomplishments of this administration. Americans are very aware of the damage that Biden and his policies have caused every American except maybe that uh, mega 
million winner from last night. He, whoever it is, he or she, got a billion five hundred plus million to make them feel a little better about their economic issues. In 2023, grocery prices increased 5.8%. That's why 71% of Americans are changing spending habits. That too is according to this CNN poll. Although the national average price for a gallon of gas is down from the all-time high of five bucks and two cents in June of 2022, still a lot of pain at the pump for Americans. When Trump left office in January of 21, the national average price for a gallon of gas was just $2.38. Today, the national average price for a gallon is $3.83. That's 61% higher than the last day of the Trump administration. 61%. That's energy. That's just gasoline. No wonder 48% of the CNN poll respondents show that they drive significantly less today and half have either canceled or changed their vacation plans. What's a vacation? Joe Biden takes all the vacations for everybody. We don't get to take them. Now, the overall inflation rate cooled to 3% in June. It's still way higher than the 1.4% level at the end of the Trump administration. That's more than double. In January of 21, the gross domestic product, the GDP, grew by an astounding 6.3%. Today, the Biden administration, they're applauding themselves about a growth rate of 2.4%, less than 30% of Trump's GDP growth. The economy is significantly weaker today than it was on the day Trump left office. A CNN poll verifies this reality. 51% of those that they talk to feel the economy is declining and will even get worse. Only 20% who think our economy is improving. No, we're all worried. If you're not worried about economics in the nation, it's because you're not having to pay bills. Maybe you're a trust fund baby. (laughs) Maybe you get your check deposit every month. You don't have to sweat anything. For young couples trying to buy a house and enjoy that old thing called the American dream, Bidenomics has created a nightmare. When Trump left office, interest rate average for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage was just 2.7%. What is it today? National average for a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, 7.4%. That's an increase of 4.7 percentage points. It more than doubled. It more than doubled the average mortgage rate from Donald Trump's presidency. Not only do these hikes make it harder for all of us, any of us, to buy a home, It also increases the mortgage and credit card payments for Americans. First time in history, total credit card debt for Americans, $1 trillion. Never even got close to that before. Thanks to Bidenomics. 
thanks to Bidenomics. Rather than increase the pain on millions of us by jacking up interest rates, a better way to reduce inflation would be simply to decrease the federal government's spending, deficit spending. Under Biden, the national debt has skyrocketed to almost $33 trillion. That's an increase of about $5 trillion since the beginning of his term. And he's just past the halfway mark. How much more money is he going to borrow? This debt creates a big burden on our country, averaging a quarter of a million dollars per taxpayer. Our unsustainable debt levels factored into the decision last week by Fitch Ratings to lower U.S. credit rating from AAA to AA+. The U.S. also lost the AAA rating from Standard & Poor's back in 2011. Instead of heeding warning signs, Biden's out there screaming and hollering, charging full steam ahead with reckless policies including an embrace of green energy that ain't going to happen because it's fundamentally impossible to make it happen across the board. First of all, we can't afford it. And even if we could afford it, it's impossible to do. That's science. What I just said, it's science. It's not somebody trying to stroke voters, making them feel cushy and comfortable significantly enough to vote for me for a second term in office, like Joe Biden is. Higher utility costs, gasoline prices up, prices across the board, transportation. Everything costs more now. The Biden administration has declared war on the oil and gas industry. It's embraced every green energy goal possible. Due to their attack on fossil fuels, There will be higher prices for appliances and gasoline, and it's going to continue to go up under Joe Biden at a time when most Americans are struggling. Binomics needs to be tossed to the curve, and a bunch of Americans, a bunch of Americans feel that uh, Joe Biden ought to be tossed out with them. Honestly, I'm one of those people. You're juvenile, mate. Everyone has one. The guy that's fun to be around, but he's dangerous to be around. You've got to keep him away from your things, like your tools, your gadgets, and your girlfriend. So before you get your juvenile mate around, get your lips around a Dare Ice Coffee. The real Arabica and Robusta Coffee Kick will tell you what to do. Hire a jumping castle. Hours of fun for kids of all ages. A dare iced coffee fix will fix it. <clears throat> Off to gang and showtime. Uh, do you know this guy? I'm not gonna cry, am I? Only if you don't believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. <laughs> movies, right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive 
our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever. Schneider. The beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. So Joe Biden yesterday made a trip out to the southwest. No, he didn't go to the southern border. Oh, he's not going down there. He doesn't want to see what he has single-handedly done to that part of the world for millions of Americans who are losing billions of dollars and lots of their asset value because Joe doesn't want to enforce federal laws, immigration laws. So he went to the Grand Canyon, and he was on the Weather Channel this morning. Joe Biden, (laughs) a weatherman now. And, of course, all he talked about was climate change. Oh, it's gotten so hot. Everybody in the world, every scientist in the world, they know. And they all say, they all say, they all say, it's all because of climate change. We've got to do away with fossil fuel emissions. And I'm paraphrasing, but it's the same song Second, third, fourth, fifth verse every time he gets in a microphone and he's talking about the weather. And he's on the Weather Channel, so, you know, he's got to act like he knows what he's talking about. Have you heard the name of a company, Proterra? P-R-O-T-E-R-R-A. You may remember this when I give you this information. Jog your memory. It's an electric bus company. And when it got rolling, it got all kinds of heavy backing. From who? Well, from you and me, Americans. Because President Joe Biden and his administration, they just knew. They told us over and over and over again. Proterra, the Burlingame, California-based electric vehicle company, was going to change the world. It was going to do away with fossil fuel transportation. Well, guess what? Proterra has filed bankruptcy. It became a big story. Why? Because Biden's energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, former governor of Michigan, she hyped Proterra, the company. Now think of this. She is in the Biden administration, Secretary of Energy. She's out there stumping for Proterra. And we found out later, at the time, she held over a million dollars worth of stock in the company, even after she became Energy Secretary. What do you think about that? Company was founded in 04, and according to Cannery Media, had raised about 682 million bucks in venture capital 
from investors that included Daimler, Generation Investment Management, Kleiner Perkins, Tau Capital Partners, Soros Fund Manager, Cohen Sustainable Advisors, and GM Ventures. It was all to build electric buses that gained a foothold in early North American deployments. That sounds great, doesn't it? Biden himself heavily promoted Proterra throughout his two and a half years at the White House. At one point, he said the company would help America own the future if it kept on track. Ninety days into his presidency, Biden held a virtual tour of the electric bus company's South Carolina factory, promoting his $1.9 trillion infrastructure plan. Right now, we're running way behind China, he said, but you guys are getting us in the game. We're going to end up owning the future, I think, if we keep doing what we're doing. A couple of months before, Proterra announced it would merge with Arclight Clean Transition. As a result of Biden's virtual tour, shares in Arcflight went sky high because of Biden's virtual tour. Joe's promotion of Proterra continued when he highlighted his tour of their factory during a trip to Wisconsin in June 2021 to promote the infrastructure bill. In November that year, Granholm and VP Kamala Harris announced 25 projects that were awarded $200 million in Department of Energy grants, which included $127 million in Super Truck 3 grants, notably Roughly 77 million of the 127 million Super Truck 3 grants went to a company with ties to guess who? Proterra. Giving these Proterra link companies garnered more than 60% of the grants. There's no corruption there. There's no quid pro quo there. Hey, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Further, VP Harris and Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg teamed up in December of 21 to promote Proterra at an event where the company's buses were used as a backdrop. Free advertising. Biden also touted Proterra's investments during a March 2022 speech. In February of this year, Biden appointed Proterra CEO Gareth Joyce to serve on his export council, which provides Biden with advice on international trade, which he obviously, if he's getting real advice from real people that know what they're talking about, he's not listening to them because our international economic structure and the results are abysmal under Joe Biden. So despite this massive push from Joe and his administration, Proterra filed for Chapter 11 on Monday of this week, citing various market and macroeconomic headwinds that have impacted its business, like people aren't buying them, people aren't ordering these EV buses because two things, they're too expensive and they don't have the ability to run an entirely electric company operation. While our best-in-class EV and battery technologies have set an industry standard, we have faced various market and macroeconomic headwinds that have impacted our ability to efficiently scale all of our opportunities at the same time. That's from Joyce. 
as commercial vehicles accelerate toward electrification, we look forward to sharpening our focus as a leading EV battery technology supplier for the benefit of our many stakeholders. So Monday, of course, Proterra shares dropped more than 60% in after-hours trading when all of this came out. Now, there's an eerie familiarity that goes along with Proterra. You remember Solyndra? Solyndra was an alternative energy company that Barack Obama gave $534 million of taxpayer monies. It was in the form of a loan guarantee. But they still got the money because when Solyndra went belly up, like Proterra's gone belly up, nobody was around to pay that $534 million loan back. So guess who had to pay for it? You and I. We paid for it. And that all came about during Barack Obama's 2009 stimulus package. The Obama-Biden White House tried to improperly rush federal regulators to approve that loan so Biden could announce it at a September 2009 groundbreaking for the company's factor. That's from the Washington Post. President Biden's decision to heavily promote a business where his energy secretary holds a multi-million dollar stake has all the potential to be even worse than Solyndra. That's from Ted Cruz. President Biden and Secretary Granholm should immediately remove themselves from their glaring conflict of interest. Granholm joined Proterra's board of directors in March of 2017 aspiring to launch the company into the next phase of strategic growth and national deployment, according to a press release. Stuff like this happens all over, all across the nation. It's idiocy. It's lunacy. Come up with whatever terms that you can use to describe this whole function. I'll never forget it. I was out in, in California, in San Jose, actually. Was driving down, not interstate, but Highway 101. That's the main, I would say four lane, but it's way wider than four lane, but the, the main one that goes from the top to the bottom of California. It's not an interstate. It's a U.S. highway. But I was driving north, came from the hotel that I was staying at, driving north to go into San Jose, and I just looked over to my right on the east side of 101. Big building there with huge neon letters on the side right next to the highway. Solyndra. The building's still there. Still got the Solyndra name on it. I guess that's to remind us how the Biden-Obama administration screwed us out of more than half a billion dollars. And I wonder what kind of campaign dollars from Solyndra. You know there were millions that came out and went scattered around. I wonder how that scattering around and who got what was worked out. Because you can book it. It happened. Now I want to get away from politics just for a second. Don't you feel dirty when we talk about all this all the time? Let's talk about something that is controversial. It's a big story, but not necessarily. 
Well, in a way it is, but not totally about the Biden administration. It's a major cover-up. A treasure hunter has claimed that the FBI snatched half a billion dollars of Civil War gold from a burial site that he discovered. So the search for Civil War era gold left one treasure hunting family locked with the FBI who they believe and are saying that the FBI is behind a major cover-up worth $500 million. Elk County, Pennsylvania is believed to hold the location of Dennis Parada's greatest discovery and the suspected betrayal by the feds. Now, as an ongoing legal battle aims to uncover the truth about what happened on a dig for gold, this Civil War gold over five years ago, the treasure hunter spoke with the Wall Street Journal about how Union gold may have been snatched up in the middle of the night. Parada began his finder's keeper's treasure hunting business out of Clearfield, Pennsylvania back in 04 with his son, Kim. Outlined the case, as attorney Ann Weissman said, just doesn't add up. So let me give you the quick skinny. Starting the business, inspired by Parada's discovery of a cave located in Dents Run, Pennsylvania, that he believed was connected to a Treasure Magazine article he'd read 30 years before. As detailed by the journal, Wall Street Journal, the story said a Union caravan with gold bars and the false bottoms of wagons headed from Wheeling, West Virginia to the U.S. Mint, which was then in Philadelphia, got ambushed somewhere in Elk County. In 2017, the Paradas started working with Warren Gettler, who's co-author of Rebel Gold and a former Wall Street Journal reporter. Gettler told them he thinks Confederate sympathizers allied with the secret society known as the Knights of the Golden Circle, he thinks they stole and hid that gold. So after informing the Pennsylvania Department of Conservation that they had found evidence suggesting gold could be in a cave, the treasure hunter said he spotted state officials in the area on trail cams he had placed nearby. Uh-huh. In January of 2018, a meeting with the FBI led to a government-hired surveyor assessing the site, and two months later, a warrant was sought and obtained over concerns Pennsylvania would attempt to claim any gold belonging to the U.S. Treasury. A dig down to 12 feet conducted by 50 agents led the FBI to state nothing was found, and the excavation ended on Wednesday, March 14th. But the way in which events unfolded, it led the treasure hunters to believe they'd been scammed by the feds out of collecting their finder's fee. I've come to the unavoidable conclusion that the FBI did take the treasure under cover of darkness, Gettler said, while Parada suspected it's definitely a major cover-up. Locals had described seeing armored trucks in the area at the time. And the younger Parada recounted the FBI dig team. They say, hey, stay in your car. Stay warm. We'll let you know when it's time to go up to the hill. The Paradas went on to sue the FBI and U.S. District Court in D.C. over the agency's failure to respond to a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act. 
in addition to allegations of making off with half a billion worth of gold, it gets even worse. It gets even worse. The men believe the FBI doctored records to cover their tracks. The survey company hired by the government asserted they could not comment to the journal because of a confidentiality agreement with the DOJ and the FBI, claimed no gold or other items of evidence were located or collected. The only items the FBI removed from the site were the equipment and supplies they brought in for the dig. Wiseman surmised to the journal, the FBI insists they found nothing, but they've gone out of their way not to produce any documents that show they found nothing. The thing about this case is stuff just doesn't add up. Now, here we go again. You get the legal system. They're awaiting a judge's determination as to whether or not the FBI is required to turn over more information. And guess where all this is being adjudicated? In Washington, D.C. Tell me the name of one impartial federal judge anywhere in Washington, D.C., except maybe a few justices on the Supreme Court. I don't know of any. In fact, I don't think there are any. I really don't. That is another tragic story about allegedly our government screwing citizens of the United States. And these were entrepreneurs. This company is an entrepreneurial company. It's not some big operation, big major corporation. It's somebody that treasure hunts for a living. So you can imagine when they get on a big find like this, they're all in. And you can just see the bully in a Western story. They hear about this new mine that had been dug and these people from somewhere else or maybe some blue-collar farmers found this this, uh, mine. And you can just picture the outlaws hiding behind the hill, waiting for these people to bring the treasure out of that cave and stealing it from them. I guess in this case, we call the outlaws, the FBI. Of course, we know the FBI is the most premier law enforcement agency in world history. Best there is today, right? They're into treasure hunting now? No, they're into retrieving gold that entrepreneurial treasure hunters had found from doing the work. And they've stolen it. Allegedly. We have to put that on everything as a disclaimer. What else is happening, Dan? I want you to listen to something. Sky News weighed in. And um, they went to the streets to talk to people and give the people some quotes, phrases, sentences, claims that were made by politicians. And they asked these men and women on the street who they thought had made these statements. I think you'll like this. And you also took to the streets to prove that most folks have no idea the racist comments, sometimes virulently racist comments Joe Biden has made over the years. Let's have a look at some of the reactions when Californians discover who is responsible for these astonishingly racist quotes. This person, he referred to Barack Obama as 
the first mainstream African-American that is articulate and bright and clean, who is articulate and bright and clean, and bright and clean. Scale from one to 10. Uh, that's racist as f It's like a, 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 a 10, 20. Uh, 20, okay, we're breaking the scale. <laughs> Broke the scale. You one, said rate it? One to 10. Who do you guys think said the comment about Barack Obama, saying he was the first? Trump. Probably him. I hope. I hope it wasn't Donald Trump. I, I like too much. When it came to articulate and bright and clean, who do you think said that? If you were to guess, I know you guys aren't from the United States, but if you were to guess, Trump. I don't know. It was Joe Biden. No. No. It's a real quote. No, no, no. It was Joe Biden. Joe Biden? Biden. Guys, I'm sorry. Biden. Joe Biden said that. It's a real quote. That. Joe Biden again. No. I swear. What? Joe Biden. It's a real, real quotes oh, from no. Joe Biden. We knew that was racist. We had inflation right now. Racist ass. We didn't watch you anyway. Kamala racist too. She liked the more black people than any other DA that was on the stand. And that's facts. It's Joe Biden. Yeah, so. There you go. Wow. Did you know that? I didn't. Is that shocking? It's very shocking. And it's not like he ever really stopped with the race baiting. He has switched it up a little, but he still falls into the old traps, like when he said, if you don't vote for him, then you ain't black. Yeah, I had multiple quotes to be running by people that day. And I'll be totally honest, I think we were there for maybe about three hours or so, however long it takes to take a, a film a video. I didn't run into a single person that was aware of these quotes. And we're talking to a lot of minorities, a lot of black Americans. Uh, keep in mind, 85 percent of black Americans voted for Joe Biden. Nobody heard of these quotes. Why is that? How how on earth has, yes. has nobody heard of any of these insane, insane quotes that I'm telling them? Well, this is it. If If someone... Trump or any other Republican candidate had uttered any one of these uh, comments, and it wasn't just one or two, like you said. There's a, there's a number yeah. of quotes that are just, you can't believe he said it. Um, and yeah. there's no awareness. If, if a Republican had said that, it would be the first thing you would know about them. Anytime there was a story about them, there'd probably be a reference to this quote. Certainly there would be widespread knowledge amongst the public about what they had said. There'd be groveling apologies issued, but you wouldn't be forgiven. But with the Democrats, that uh, mainstream media, their propaganda arm protects them. Americans in large part do not realize how racist in his younger career as a U.S. senator Joe Biden actually was and is. I challenge you, if you want to find some, they're all on Google. Do Go to Google, YouTube. Go to YouTube and do a search and put in Joe Biden's racist comments you'll find dozens of them that were made publicly, boisterously, by now President Joe Biden. He did not like African-American people. In fact, when integration began, he was dead set against it. Busing began, he was dead set against not keeping people of color separate. 
he said something to the effect, and I'm paraphrasing it, that if his kids went to a school with black people, they'd be going to a jungle. He really did. So does that mean he's a racist? Does that mean he was a racist and he he saw the light and decided not to? Well, I mean, you can put it in the same category as Bill and Hillary Clinton. For most of their life and their early politics, they were both pro-life. Marriages between one man and one woman. That's where they were when, when Bill was the governor the hot shot governor of Arkansas. They ran promoting those things. Why did they promote those things? It's because that's what voters in the state of Arkansas were mostly supporting. But when the winds changed in Washington, D.C., and they get up there and they're moving into the White House, what do they have to do? They have to change their story. Joe Biden was a racist. Is he still a racist that just changed the story? That's a question I can't answer. I do have my thoughts and ideas, but they're thoughts and ideas, my opinion. And just because I have an opinion and express it doesn't mean my opinion is right. I think he's a racist. I think he has almost an entire life saying things and doing things without even thinking about them. And we speak out of the abundance of our heart. What's in our heart? What we really think and feel is pretty much what we say. Yeah, sometimes we get caught. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, at truthnewsnet.org. In the steel industry, we dedicate our careers to supporting this country making products to build infrastructure and skylines, creating jobs, supporting families. And when domestic materials are used, the money stays in our communities. That's what really matters. These people, these places, that's worth supporting. You do your thing, and you do it well. Now, it's time to do it bigger. It's time for Shopify. Shopify makes it easy to set up your online store, expand into new sales channels, and bring your brand into the real world. Get everything you need to launch your business today with Shopify. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. Let 
me ask you a question. Do you know the name and politics, Joaquin Castro? Joaquin Castro. He's U.S. representative from Texas. Yesterday, he told CNN Newsroom's Jim Acosta that he believes Texas Governor Greg Abbott's use of razor wire and a floating border buoy system is barbaric and inhumane. Now, in saying that, I mean, that's his opinion. We can all express our opinions. We all have the right to have opinions, and we have the unfettered right from the First Amendment to speak our opinions. But one should kind of think through and make sure that when you're trying to pontificate about something against someone, that you're not doing the same thing or similar things in your own house. What am I talking about? Well, Castro didn't bother to comment on the Biden administration's use of the exact same wire to repel asylum seekers at ports of entry all across the southwest border. At these ports, the wires deployed on top of gates along temporary barriers used to close the ports when migrants rushed the port without an appointment. This all happened over the weekend. Castro told Acosta he is leading a delegation of Democrat representatives to the border city of Eagle Pass this week in hopes of pressuring Governor Abbott to take those barriers and razor wire down that have been deployed under Operation Lone Star to slow down and deter migration. Even though migration has dropped substantially since the end of Title 42 a few months ago, this is Castro talking. That statement, that first line he said, quote, even though migration has dropped substantially since the end of Title 42 a few months ago, and he continued, even though the number of border crossings has dropped Greg Abbott has gotten more extreme in how he's treating migrants and asylum seekers. So he installed razor wire along the Rio Grande, even though he's a governor without any jurisdiction over an international body of water. Castro told multiple lies in that quote there. The number of border crossings since Title 42 ended has not dropped has not dropped. In fact, it's gone up dramatically. Why is that? Well, all they're doing in the Biden administration to make it quote-unquote legal, which it's not, even though they can call it legal, is that app that the cartels down in Mexico have hacked, and they're using it to advertise and promote their services where they charge immigrants thousands of dollars to get into the United States, even though all that happened. Those people are coming in at the ports of entries only because they've used the app to get an appointment to go register so that they can later come back to the border and some judge will hear their claim for asylum. It's a scam that was cooked up by Homeland Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Why is it a scam? Why is it not working? What do they do with those people when they log in, when they come to these ports of entry? Where do they take these people? Where are they holding them, waiting for their hearings? They're not. They just let them go. They give them a name of a non-governmental organization that is specializing in dealing with these immigrants, illegal immigrants that are coming across. We're making it 
legitimate, not legal, because it's still against the law. There is no law that makes that even a possibility to do. But the Biden administration is using it and taking a victory dance. Look what we've done. Look what we've done. It looks like the number, the real number of illegals that have come in on Joe Biden's watch, we were told was 5 million. It looks like it's from 8 to 10 million. In a tweet August 2nd, Castro asserted the Texas governor is knowingly trying to injure, maim, and kill migrants seeking asylum in the U.S. with razor wire and drowning devices. In that tweet, Castro alleged Abbott's floating barrier caused the drowning of a migrant, stating Texas Governor Greg Abbott's at Gov Abbott barrel traps have caused an asylum seeker to drown. That's the exact same thing as saying guns are evil because guns kill people. That asylum seeker, the only reason he or she drowned was because they chose to break the laws and they went one step further. They chose not to use Alejandro Mayorkas's app to schedule an appointment at a port of entry that they could go check in and get a free ride waiting somewhere in America, all expenses paid by you and I, the taxpayers. Oh, no, they're going to these NGOs, non-governmental organizations. Well, where's the money coming from to support these NGOs? Government grants, your money and my money. It's part of the $31 trillion that is owed to U.S. creditors. Customs and Border Protection, they use concrete barriers, including concertina wire, to try to repel migrants who try to present themselves at these ports of entry with no appointments. They're supposed to have appointments. These migrant surges resulted in the closures of the ports on several occasions. Eagle Pass, both international bridges were closed in July after migrants rushed the port of entry trying to claim asylum. The migrants rushed past Mexican authorities and were ultimately repelled by Border Patrol. They moved from the bridge to the Rio Grande, tried to make landfall. The migrants were met by Texas law enforcement authorities and were believed to have returned to Mexico due to the deployment of steel shipping containers and concertina wire blocking their entry into Texas. This is the same story we hear all the time. It's nothing new. Let me just pontificate for just a second. Look, all you leftist members of the House of Representatives and even state government, Senate and House members, every one of you, and oh, by the way, Alejandro Mayorkas, here's what you need to do. You better get your crap together. You better start honoring U.S. duly passed immigration laws, many of which were passed on Joe Biden's watch when he was in the the U.S. Senate. You better quit just arbitrarily deciding that you don't have to enforce laws. Why do you think all of a sudden at towns and cities, especially big cities across the nation, there's lawlessness that's ripping these communities apart and it's finding stores, shop owners, restaurants, 
all kinds of operations that are having to close their doors because the lawbreakers that come in and just with no thought, no kind of problem doing it, are robbing these stores blind, tearing them up in the middle of the night, breaking windows, stealing all kinds of things, and there's no accountability. Who flipped the switch to give lawmakers of any ilk from the White House down to give them authority in any way for law enforcement on their watch to not enforce the laws. There are places all over the globe that do exactly that. They're called banana republics, places like Venezuela, Cuba, communist China. That's the way they go. They flow over there like that. Is that what you want our nation to be? I can promise you this, the American people don't want that. I, for the life of me, cannot understand why a group of voters would support any lawmaker that takes an oath of office, every one of them, which swears an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all people that come in, foreign or domestic, all of them. And then they don't do anything about it. They just wave them on in, lawbreakers. Don't enforce them. Let them do it. And then we find out over this past weekend, a cartel smuggler armed with a rifle, a cartel smuggler, that's somebody from Mexico. Those are the people that are making billions of dollars. One billion a month is estimated by charging illegals. Hey, come over here. We'll make sure you get across the border and you're at a place where you're going to be able to survive and take your role in the American dream life. That's what's happening. One cartel smuggler armed with a rifle was seen guiding a group of migrants across the Rio Grande north of Eagle Pass. They have pictures of him by a Texas Department Public Safety Highway patrol drone outside the downtown Eagle Pass area, fortified by steel shipping containers and concertina wire. Another, in broad daylight, group of Mexican cartel members, fully armed to the teeth, were seen bringing migrants into the U.S. Why are they doing that? It's because Alejandro Mayorkas is waving them in. Well, Joe Biden's president, why didn't he go down there yesterday instead of going to the Grand Canyon? He doesn't want to go down there and see what his lawlessness is doing to the residents of Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and California. He doesn't care about that. All he cares about is the ultimate objective from Democrats' perspective. The more illegals we get in here, will be able to take jobs away from middle-class and lower-class Americans and give those jobs to these illegals that we can pay less and we can extort them for campaign support. We've got to find a way to make Democrat Party ideology a mandatory, you gotta do it if you're gonna live here. And if you don't agree to that, we're not going to let you in. And if we find out after we let you in 
that you're not doing it, we're going to see to it you get hauled off or kicked out of the country. Don't doubt. Don't doubt what I'm saying. If I'm not right, give me an example that shows that I'm not right. You can't. There's not one out there. Meanwhile, what's going on in Joe's world? Well, one thing that's not going on, we have two major political foes on the planet. Who might they be? Those are easy. First one, obviously, is Vladimir Putin and the nation of Russia. Secondly, China, Xi Jinping, controls the Communist Party in China and also is president of the nation, about to be in his fifth term as that role. They're watching all of this stuff under Joe Biden very, very carefully. And don't think these are the only two leaders of nasty nations that are watching this and thinking about probably some have already taken measures to take advantage of Joe Biden and the American people. Right now, as we're talking, there's something going up, up off the Alaska coast with both of those nations, their Navy ships are there right at the edge of our territorial waters, ours, in the state of Alaska. All right, well, China and Russia conducting a joint naval operation bringing 11 ships near the coast of Alaska last week. The U.S. mobilizing four destroyers and patrol planes in response to guide the ships away from U.S. waters. The Wall Street Journal editorial board writing, quote, the naval patrol is best understood as a warning that U.S. territory isn't safe as well as a test of how the U.S. will respond. The world is getting more dangerous and a complacent U.S. political class isn't educating the public about the growing threats. Joining me now, Gatestone Institute senior fellow and author of The Coming Collapse of China and the great U.S.-China tech war, Gordon Chang. Gordon, it's great to see you. And I think the editorial board at the Wall Street Journal summed it up pretty nicely there. Well, certainly, because we have to assume that if there's going to be a war in Asia and Henry Kissinger tells us it's probable, then we're going to be facing not just China, but also China's friends, specifically Russia and North Korea. And the Wall Street Journal is right. We have a political class that is complacent, has very little sense of urgency. You know, we're on the edge of war and the Biden administration refuses to fill the strategic petroleum reserve, which it drained last year. So I don't know how this gets more dangerous. The Chinese can see it. And I think they're going to try and take advantage of the situation. They have taken advantage of every situation possible um, under President Biden so far. So it wouldn't be surprising. But European officials are saying, Gordon, that China, quote, participated actively and was positive about the idea of a third meeting on resolving Russia's war in Ukraine. Now, we know the Chinese have cozied up uh, to the Russians. About 40 countries gathering in Saudi Arabia for a two-day summit this weekend in the talks, coming after initial discussions in Copenhagen back in June, where China was invited but didn't attend. Your thoughts on the relationships that are forming here and what the Chinese um, interest would be in, in peace talks? The Chinese interest is very clear. They want to bail out their Russian friends who are having trouble in the Ukraine war. So they would like to see the war end. And I think that part of it is because China understands that its support for Moscow, a Moscow that is committing atrocities, 
um, Moscow, which is extremely aggressive and belligerent around the world, not just in Ukraine, is, is not good for China itself. But we also have to remember that the Chinese view the war in Ukraine as not a war between Ukrainians and Russians primarily, but as primarily a proxy war a proxy war between China and the United States. So we better win this. And if we leave Russia in control of Ukrainian territory, that's a big green light for Beijing's territorial aggression in East Asia. It brings up a really great point. Absolutely. Yeah. Gordon, Joe opinion here. I mean, what do you think uh, is the Biden doctrine here, if there is one, uh, when you look at all of the advances that China has made that have gone uh, without a response? You look at those silos that were built in the Chinese desert capable of carrying nuclear weapons. There was basically no response. We had the joint naval exercises between the Russian Navy and the Chinese Navy. That there was no response. Now they're expanding that uh, off of the coast of Alaska. So what are we supposed to do here where, again, bit by bit, Russia gets tighter with China, China benefiting from this extension of the war, and America time and time again uh, seems to ignore this? Well, first of all, the president of the United States needs to have a candid conversation with the American people saying that, look, China's Xi Jinping is readying the Chinese people for war. He's mobilizing all of Chinese society, not just the military, and that the United States needs to prepare. And we also, and your point about uh, nuclear weapons silos, we've got to remember that Chinese doctrine is to threaten to use nuclear weapons to prevent the United States and others from coming to the uh, aid of Taiwan, Philippines, Japan, whatever. So this is not necessarily going to be a conventional war, and President Biden needs to ready the American people. Gordon, you brought up um, this issue about, you know, China potentially invading parts of Asia. We're talking about Taiwan specifically. Chinese state media releasing a new eight-part TV documentary series about its army's ability to attack Taiwan, and it reportedly shows drills simulating precision strikes against Taiwan and dozens of soldiers pledging to give up their lives if needed in a potential attack against Taiwan. So we've discussed this many times. Um, your reaction to that and the potential for this to happen reasonably soon? Well, on the reasonably soon point, we've got to remember that on Saturday, this Saturday, uh, the United States issued a warning to China that it, we were prepared to use force against China at Second Thomas Shoal in the South China Sea. That's the Philippines. You know, this documentary um, is, again, preparing the Chinese people for war. And it can be Taiwan, but it could be Japan or it could be some other country. But the point is the Chinese regime, because of problems at home, which are actually becoming more and more severe, um, has an incentive to rally the Chinese people with conflict abroad. And that means this is a regime that can take us by surprise because we Americans think we're at peace, but the Chinese believe that this is a war situation. And by the way, they're exercising with their friends, the Russians that you just pointed out. And we've had these increasingly provocative statements from North Korea over the last couple days regarding Taiwan. Mm. Gordon, good morning, Mitch Rochelle. Good to see you. So the previous administration, the Trump administration, spent four years trying to sort of normalize trade relations with China. And so fast forward to today, we've heard nothing from this administration regarding trade balance with China. In fact, uh, all we have is fallout from the COVID era where we had supply chain disruptions coming from China. Do you think that this administration has any kind of mind towards 
balancing trade in any way with China? Because that would go a long way, in my view, in trying to you know, develop a relationship around something other than these military interests around the planet. You know, as we've seen, Mitch, um, imports from China have dropped precipitously, um, 24% in May. Um, but that's because the Chinese are driving foreign business out of China and because of its provocative actions, convincing people in business suites that uh, war is a real possibility. But unfortunately, the Biden administration has been dog whistling to business that it's okay to stay in China. So that's not a good thing because this has become now a national security issue because we cannot assure ourselves that we can transport goods across the Pacific because it does look like there will very well be a war, as Kissinger has said. So, no, the Biden administration is clueless right now. They think they're at peace. And unfortunately, that's not the way the many people in the world, including aggressors, view the situation. Gordon Chang, great to see you this morning. Thank you. You know, it is uncanny to me to believe that our president is not cognizant in any way, or if he is, about China and Russia specifically, I'm talking. If he is cognizant, why, why is he allowing both of these nations to run willy-nilly over the nation, over the world, attacking, invading one of our allies, the nation of Ukraine, and China, they're about to just go into Taiwan and obliterate Taiwan. We've always been a friend and an ally to Taiwan, and we need Taiwan. Do you know that more of the computer chips that we use across the board in every sector of our society, more of them are manufactured and programmed in Taiwan than any place else on Earth? Why do you think China is so aggressively wanting to take over Taiwan. Not because China needs their chip production facilities, but they want to keep the United States of America from getting those chips that we need. They want us dependent on them. I'm talking about China wants us dependent on them. Vladimir Putin, do you realize that most of the gold, excuse me, most of the uranium that the United States buys $80 billion a year. Uranium. Almost all of it that we buy, we buy it from Vladimir Putin in Russia? You don't remember that Canadian company that came into the United States, the largest uranium holdings in the world at that time were in the United States a Canadian company came down and was mining it. Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, she when she was Secretary of State, him obviously when he was president, they put a deal together to sell that mine through this uranium company in Canada that ended up owned by Russia, Vladimir Putin. And then Vladimir, he talks to us and says, hey, you want access to that same uranium? You got to buy it from me now. That actually happened. We're dealing with that. Nobody wants to think about or talk about any of that, at least in the Biden administration. It has so many members of our military, people that are in the State Department, so many people upset, not knowing what's going on. 
That could be little more than a tender, a pile of tender that all of a sudden could be lighted and bam, it explodes into something worldwide. And I think people like Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin, they want to see that happen because they're in positions of leadership. They understand their countries. They understand their opponents like us. And they know us probably better than our own president knows us. And they want to do whatever it is they're going to do. They want to make it happen before the 2024 election. They want to do it while Joe Biden is still president. I'm not blowing smoke at you. That's a fact. Meanwhile, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, we talked about him in the illegal immigration debacle a little bit earlier. Earlier in the week, he held a ceremonial signing for the Save Women Sports Act. And at that signing, it was accompanied by former collegiate swimmers and women's sports advocates Riley Gain and Paula Scanlon at Texas Women's University in Denton. Abbott signed Senate Bill 15 in June. That was back after the Texas legislature passed it earlier this year. It stops collegiate athletes from participating in competitions that are designated for the biological sex opposite to the student's biological sex as denoted on an official birth certificate. These are the women who committed their lives, altered their lives so that they can compete, and yet you heard Riley Gaines talking about how she was marginalized, Abbott said at the ceremony. Women have thrived under college sports. This is Greg Abbott. They mastered discipline, spurred drive, and cast visions to achieve greatness. We won't allow that to be jeopardized in Texas. He said Riley was the winner, and she was denied that victory. He was referring to when Gaines and Leah Thomas, formerly William Thomas, tied for fifth place in the 200-meter freestyle at the 2022 NCAA Women's Championships. The NCAA gave the trophy to Leah Thomas, a biological male, instead of Riley Gaines. Today feels like that one meet, that one race that you train all year for, Gaines, a former University of Kentucky competitive swimmer said. It's pretty amazing that this law is even necessary, she added. If you have eyes and a brain and any amount of common sense, You can easily comprehend the fact that men on average, and this is a fact, are taller, stronger, more powerful, can jump higher than women. It's biological reality. But unfortunately, we live in such a time where it's somehow controversial to say men and women are different. And then Paula Scanlon described her experience being Thomas's teammate at the University of Pennsylvania. Thomas was on the men's team for three years before transferring to the women's team. Thomas, who had fully intact male genitalia, dressed in the women's locker room 18 times a week, Scanlon said. When my teammates and I tried to voice our concerns to the athletic department, we were told that Leah's swimming was non-negotiable and we were offered psychological services to re-educate us into accepting the idea of Leah Thomas competing and undressing beside us. All I can say about that 
if my daughter came up about that, somebody is going to have a really nasty conversation and probably some threats would be part of that conversation. Folks, that's a wrap on the midweek show. Thank you for being here on Wednesday. We're back the next couple of days. Tomorrow, we have a special guest on in our second hour. You remember I told you earlier in the week about the new television series, God, Family, Football, that's coming out later this month. It's a series that's about a Christian high school in Shreveport, Louisiana, Evangel Christian Academy. One of the producers of that series will be on the show with us to give you a little more insight. Aaron Benward, tomorrow in our 10 o'clock hour. Until then, you guys have a great Wednesday and enjoy a really, really good song. In the Arms of an Angel. This is from a great movie. Great movie. You spend all your time waiting For that second chance For the break that would make it okay There's always some reason Yeah.